it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, Leap Year Edition, February 29th. March comes in tomorrow. Big uh, Big Ten basketball schedule to talk about. Two games today, four more tomorrow as we get ready to flip the calendar to March and the stretch run. Lauren Tate is here as well. Good morning, Mr. Tate. Good morning. Big win last night for Illinois baseball down in Texas. They're playing in Frisco, Texas against three nationally ranked teams. And uh, Dan Hartlib's team came out with a one to nothing victory over number 13, Texas A&M. Ty Weber, another good start. Six and two-thirds shutout innings. Gave up three hits. Garrett Acton got the save. Illinois improves to four and three. And Dan Hartlip said going to a situation like this where you play three nationally ranked teams early in the season at the same site that will give his coaching staff an opportunity to, to see if they can play with anybody, and the first uh, step is good. Well, in in that eighth inning, they had the right guy running the base. Jackson's on first. He's fast. He's leadoff man, stole second. And then they had the right batter up there, Comier, because he's, he's really good, by the way. Shortstop now this year, played second base last year most of the season, and uh, I, I don't know how good they're going to be hitting-wise. They haven't hit very much so far, but the pitching's been pretty sound, and Weber certainly uh, had a really good six and two-third innings. They'll play again today at 2 o'clock against 23rd-ranked Oklahoma State, these games in Frisco, Texas. And then tomorrow at 11, it is number one UCLA against the Fighting Illini in baseball. So Illinois now 4-3. and three. On the season with that one to nothing win over Texas A&M last night. Softball also playing in uh, warmer climates out in Fullerton, California. They split a pair of games yesterday. They beat Colorado State 5 to nothing. They lost to Fresno State last night 3 to 2. And uh, the Illinois softball team now 8 and 8 on the season. They'll play Cal State Fullerton later tonight. Big 10 uh, track and field championships underway for the men and women in Geneva, Ohio. Jonathan Wells Won the long jump, Big Ten uh, long jump title, 25, one and a quarter inches. So a nice uh, win for him. The Illinois men in fifth place going into today's action. Other action coming up, men's gymnastics at Iowa tomorrow. Women's gymnastics uh, takes on Central Michigan tomorrow. Women's uh, tennis lost a uh, match at home yesterday to uh, Kansas, 4-2. to two. They're now 4-8 and eight on the season. They'll take on Oklahoma today at 11 o'clock. So those are some of the things going on. Our uh, list of guests today includes the following folks. We've got plenty of time for an open line, by the way. You want to talk some Big Ten basketball with us? 356-9397 is the number. At 9.30, Jeff Rabjohns will join us. He covers the Indiana Hoosiers for Peegs.com, a division of uh, 247 Sports. He'll be with us at 9.30. Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis will join us to talk about uh, spring training and what's going on with the Cardinals through 
seven games so far in uh, spring training action. At 10 o'clock, Paul Klee from the Gazette in Colorado Springs, Colorado, will be with us. And at 10.30, Kedrick Prince from Orange and Blue News will talk some basketball with us. In between all of that and during all of that, the phone line will be open, 356-9397. Nice win the other night for Illinois at Northwestern. Kind of a coming out party, if you will, for Alan Griffin. He was uh, he was on fire that night. He really had a burst of threes, didn't he? Six threes by him in one game. This is all-time high at Illinois, of course, all-time. He's only, he's only a sophomore. He had that rough stretch back there in, in uh, January when he was suspended a couple of games and had some, some games where he didn't contribute hardly anything. And then in February, he began to show signs, Steve. And I think uh, the, the last two games have both indicated that uh, – and by the way, just at a, at a time when uh, Underwood's really re- reducing his, his bench – I mean, he's coming off the bench, but he's the only one really getting much done off the bench. But Georgie Bishanisvili uh, is still struggling. Uh, maybe maybe he uh, didn't have as many negatives uh, in the Northwestern game as he had previously, but he's uh, he's really he's really battling, isn't he? He was. <laughs> it's kind of it's the way it kind of goes. Things when it goes bad, it goes bad. But uh, the only basket he was credited with was tipped in by the a guy on the other side. Yeah, Jones tipped it. it, it, it a closer look indicated it was really true that Jones yeah. tipped it in accidentally. They both leaped for the ball, and it went right off his fingertips. Well, everybody loves Georgie, I think, as a as a member of the team and a human being. He's a fun guy to be around, and I think everybody feels bad for him because he's definitely struggling. It looks like it's, it's kind of uh, – if you play golf, you're familiar with the term uh, – Yips. He's kind of got the <laughs> kind of got the yips on some of those close shots. It looks like. Yeah, he's he just can't get the ball to go in the basket. Well, they get another chance against Indiana, a team that's been up and down. That game tomorrow at the uh, State Farm Center. It's Stripe the Center Day. So if you're into all that, I'll tell you. If you're in an odd number section, you're asked to wear orange. That's O and O, odd orange. <laughs> That's one way to remember it. <laughs> if you're in an even number section, you're asked to wear blue. And the Orange Crush students, they want them wearing orange. Yep. So we'll see how that. What are you going to wear, Steve? I'll probably just go with black. The <laughs> man in black. The huh? <laughs> man in black. Johnny Cash. I don't wear uh, much orange and blue when I'm working. That's <laughs> you know, a golf course. That's a, a different thing. But uh, but that's tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Haven't seen the line on that game yet, but... Uh, Illinois will be favored in the ball game, but uh, they're all critical now as we get set to uh, go into March. And uh, big game uh, certainly today. I mentioned two games on the Big Ten schedule, and the the uh, they're both big <laughs> when you look at it. Uh, number 16 Penn State is at Iowa, ranked 18th at 11 o'clock. Then later on today, Michigan State and Maryland. Well, what you what, see, see these games today will change your whole outlook on where you want who you want to win and where you want Illinois to finish right. because. If by some chance Michigan State beat Maryland at Maryland, which is a big order, and they've already lost at home to them, but if they did, that would bring Illinois within one game in the loss column of first place. And then you realize that Maryland has to go to Rutgers, which is won 17 or 18 games at home, and I know they've only lost one. And in that case, you'd have an actual shot at maybe getting a share of the Big Ten title if you could finish out with wins. Now, that's asking, you know, an awful lot. But I, but we won't make our I, – I won't make any decision on how I feel about it until I see what happens tonight. Michigan State and Maryland, that game 
then if, you know if if Maryland wins the game, they're going to win the Big Ten, and, yep. and they're two games ahead of everybody in the loss column. Then you kind of hope that you can finish second. Second, third, or fourth would be okay. Yeah. As far as the seeding goes for the Big Ten tournament, in my mind, fourth is better than third, except that it puts you in the upper bracket with Maryland, but it, it gets you playing it earlier in the day. If you're third, you're playing the last game yeah. of, on that Friday night. Now, maybe that doesn't bother the team. I'm I'm selfishly looking at that from the media standpoint as far as deadlines and radio shows and things like yeah. that. But uh, um, that's the way it plays right now. And Maryland with a two-game lead over four teams. There are four teams tied at 11-6, and six, uh, Penn State, Illinois, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. And the way the tiebreaker works out is kind of different. It's not head-to-head when you have that many teams tied. It's how you did against each other. And I think that comes out in those four. They're all two and two against each other. And then it goes to tiebreakers and uh, how you did against Maryland. Well, that knocks Illinois out right away because they lost twice to Maryland. Yeah. And Wisconsin's got a win over Maryland, So, and so does Michigan State. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, certainly. But uh, you got to take care of your business and uh, – Next up is the Indiana Hoosiers. As I mentioned, they've they've looked good at times at home. They haven't played so well on the road. And Boy, did they have a stinker at Purdue. They shot 25%. They couldn't make a basket. They had they were in the – with just a few minutes to go, they were still in the 30s in points produced for the game. I mean, this was – I don't know. Uh, sometimes when Green gets hot and, and, and uh, Jackson Davis is a really good center for him, the, the freshman – but uh, they just have had some really low spots this season. The uh, net rankings that uh, you like to follow, I, I guess because the NCAA committee is going to follow those, haven't changed a lot, although nope. Rutgers is still ahead of Illinois, and so is Purdue. Mm-hmm. And I get it, but I don't get it. Well, yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, we, the, the net doesn't know when the games are played. I understand that, so but I think when the game is played should be considered. Well, the net has no way of doing that. I don't care about the net. I mean, there's got to well, be then, human <laughs> people in this, you know. Well, there will be. I know. But I mean, there will be. I mean, they're not going to go entirely on the net when they sit down for the meetings. It's just one of the, it's one of the items they use. It, it won't be. Uh, it won't be exactly by the net. I get that, but it, everybody's making it sound like the net is well, the one thing that they're going to, they're going to use. They always have a system where it helps them when they have a. A t- it's a tiebreaker kind of thing, you know, and um, the net, you know, the net doesn't know when that you lost to Miami. Uh, they don't know whether it was this week or back in November. Right. And the same thing with the Missouri. The Missouri game in December is just a killer loss. Well, th- it's not so much that. Uh, that's certainly big. But the fact is there's no good non-conference wins to counteract that. Right. Where, where Wisconsin had a couple of stinker losses, yeah, but they had a couple of good wins. Yeah, and Michigan had that great win over Gonzaga, and it's the only, you know, that's the only game Gonzaga lost up until last week. But so. everybody in the Big Ten, they're, they're talking about ten teams making the uh, field. We'll see if that happens. But uh, just about everybody is ahead of Illinois. The only two teams behind Illinois are Minnesota and Indiana in the net rankings. Purdue is I directly. I think Minnesota is really in trouble, and I think Indiana's really on the bubble. Indiana's 56th in the net. Minnesota 46th. Illinois 36th. Right behind Indiana it. needs some wins to get in. Yeah, they do. They're looking at this game tomorrow and, as and one of those. boy, you know, the guy that's under pressure is Archie. 
Archie Miller, that the fans are really, there's a big debate going on over there. Should we keep Archie or not? Now, I'm saying it's a debate among the fans. I'm not saying it's a debate among the administration. They're not going to fire him, I don't think. But the fans are ready to kick him out. They're, they, they've sent an awful lot of negative things about him in the, this season. There were a, a big, there was a big debate going on between Archie and one of his assistant coaches there on the, the bench during that ball game. That's, that mm-hmm. stuff happens. I get that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. uh, when the wheels start to come off, even little things kind of uh, this is get really magnified. A, this is really a bad game for them to play Purdue that way. I mean, yeah. they, just couldn't, they just couldn't score. Purdue swept them again. They've yeah. done that for the last two or three years. And Purdue's yeah. only fourteen and fourteen, or fifteen and fourteen now. Yeah, I don't remember what the stat was, but I, one of the one of the interviewers uh, mentioned that uh, they had beaten uh, Indiana X number, and Painter says, "Really? I didn't really, like he didn't remember." <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, he knows exactly. He knows exactly right. It is a nine thirteen. Illini Pelto Saturday Sports Talk. We're underway. We'd love to hear from you if you'd like to join us. Three five six nine three nine seven. More basketball talk, and then we've got some guests lined up for you along the way. We'll take our first time out and be back with more after this. Hi, this is Aaliyah Dinius from Oakwood High School Girls Basketball. The line I take on Indiana Sunday on News Talk 1400 DWS. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open. Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly with you here on DWS. 9.17 is the time you've we're talking when we talk Illinois basketball, we always, you know, I suppose it's that way with any fan base or any uh, media group that covers a team on a regular basis. So you talk about shooting the ball and you look better, as Lou Henson says, that you look a lot better when the ball goes through the basket. And it did so for uh, Illinois a little bit uh, better the other night. But what I'm getting to is number four, Dayton, in a game last night, made 27 of 28 two-point baskets in the game. They missed their first two-pointer, made 27 in a row. Oh, come on. And then missed one, but they ended up 27 for 28 on two-point baskets. That's 96%. They shot 73% for the game as they uh, beat Davidson. But uh, how about that? Well, that's extraordinary. You, Maybe that's why they're ranked so high. <laughs> well, well certainly one, one of the reasons uh, – and you mentioned when I mentioned that to you before we started, you said, well, they must have had a bunch of layups. And, and they did. Sure, they did. But even that, uh, we've seen you can – layups well, we can be that, missed. We use that word layup awful loosely. I yeah, do. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know what else you say. Like, Illinois against Nebraska missed 15 layups, according to Underwood, who went back on the film and, and looked at it. But some of them might have been blocked. Some of them might have been extremely difficult because of a defender there. Some, I mean, their the layups are, you know, they made 19, by the way, in that yeah. game. I counted those. I, I mean, I keep track of the layups and dunks. And they had 15 layups and four dunks, which I count as ni- 19 point-blank baskets. But they also missed 15, which is, which is good in this sense. When you're getting those kind of shots, you're going to make a good percentage of them. Up for, that's for sure. But, I, I, you know, I, I, the reason Io is shooting pretty well it's because he gets in there for a lot of layups. Mm-hmm. His three-point shooting is still very mediocre, very mediocre. He's shooting exactly 30% for the season, and that won't cut it. Let's go to the phones. We do have the phone line open and say hi to Steve in Princeton. Good morning, Steve. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, I was just wondering. I've been watching a lot of the officiating and stuff in games. 
And I haven't seen Ted Valentine, I recall, do a Big Ten game, but I've seen him do SEC, Big 12, and stuff down south. Does he do Big Ten games anymore? I don't think so. I haven't seen no. him either. No, he, no, he's out of the Big Ten now. He's He's elsewhere. I mean, is that by problems, or did he, or they just don't think he's good enough official, or? I, I, I don't know the the basis for it. I don't think they give that out, but I think that uh, I, I I don't I, I I just can't say why he's not. But he's we've noticed that the last couple of years. Because I know he had it run-ins with Bob Knight and so forth. Oh, that did well. That, that was way back. That, you know that didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, everybody's had run-ins with Bob Knight yeah, over the years, but you're uh, not, you know you're going back too many yeah, years. I think it. I think that's Val- back when that's back when Lon Kruger was the coach. I think um, Valentine is, is recognized as a above-average official. Oh yeah, it's just a, his personality. They call him TV Ted. He seems to know when the where the TV cameras are. Uh, a number of coaches have said that they like to yeah. have him on their games because they feel like that he won't be swayed by the crowd. Right. Then the other one you mentioned, Archie Miller, but I see he's got three, I don't know, top 15 recruits coming in there, right. juniors. Right. So, and, he, you know, so I, do I, I, don't know I don't know if, if the player from Evansville is coming in this year or not. I don't know whether he can uh, restructure his grades and, 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 and actually leave high school after this year. I think he's scheduled for 2021, but maybe he could come in this year if he could uh, – Change, you know, if he can accumulate the 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 uh, what's required to get in. But you're right; he's got two good. He's got two top recruits plus this uh, young man that he just uh, got a commitment from out of Evansville. So I would think the natives would be happy with that and stick with him. But you know, losing seven. Well, the natives don't have the natives don't have anything to do with it. The natives are, are fans. I mean, the native the administration is not going to fire him. That's that's all I can tell you. I mean, you can you know it, uh, the complaints are are not uh, a determining factor in this. Everybody complains about their coach. I mean, they were complaining about Underwood until they started winning. Yeah. You know, then the last how, how do you, how do we feel about Underwood after Miami and Missouri? Yeah, Missouri yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what and else then you the got? Third one for you. I see Kobe King's going to go to Nebraska. Will he yep. be immediately eligible, or does that depend upon this next rule? It depends on two things. Number one, he'll seek a waiver if the rule doesn't go through and might might uh, be granted based on the waiver. Or if the rule is changed in April, which we think it will, and by the way, that's almost next month. Right. <laughs> As of tomorrow, it'll be next month. And that's that's going to be – and, and I think Josh Whitman uh, and the Big Ten people who support this idea think it's going to go through. But we'll see. So, but I thought that'd be interesting because he's not moving closer to home like Luke Ford, so distance can't be a factor. Well, no. Uh, sometimes it's treatment, how you're treated, and sometimes it's if a coach leaves. For instance, if a coach, uh, the coach leaves uh, Michigan State in football, uh, all those players could probably transfer and, and get a waiver because if your coach leaves that pretty much been determined to be a, a factor that would that would work in the waiver. So, all right, enjoy the show. Thank mm-hmm. you guys. Yep, Steve, appreciate the call. 3569397 is the number if you'd like to join us. We've got uh, some minutes open here for an open line before our first guest checks in with us at 9:30. You mentioned IO shooting a uh, 30% uh, 
from a three-point range. He's shooting 48% from the field. And most people think that uh, he is going to leave after this year. He's not said that publicly, but uh, that's kind of been the uh, uh, perception that most people get. And uh, I know you've done this. I've done it as well. Start looking at some of the mock NBA drafts. He's not in any first round that I've seen. He's been in a couple second rounds. And he's high in the second round. Yeah. I saw one that was 34th and one where he's 37th, which means he's uh, there are 30 people in the first round, so he's right behind that. And, but he's making gains. It's just that his long-range shooting, if you're a guard and you're not a really good three-point shooter, that is a, that's, that's a negative. And the reason he's shooting 48%, he gets so many layups and gets in for, for good shot, which is great. That, that part is great, but uh, I don't know how many layups he's going to get in the, in the NBA. Uh, incidentally, uh, of the top 15 players in the, in the mock draft provided by The Athletic, top 15 players, 10 of them probably will not be, almost certainly will not be in the NCAA tournament this year. For a whole variety of reasons, we got guys that like Wiseman left Memphis. We got uh, we got uh, European guys. Player, yeah, players yeah. playing out of the country. We got European guys coming in. We got uh, injuries. You got this, that, and the other uh, for a whole different bunch of reasons. And uh, you've got some teams like Georgia and North Carolina, which have uh, top players on their on their teams that aren't going to qualify, uh, probably. So uh, imagine that, 10 of the top 15, which is another reason why we say that basketball uh, is down this year in the sense overall it's, it may be a little bit down. It's certainly balanced, which is good, but I don't think that the level of play is anywhere close to uh, what we've seen it in the past. And, and uh, you know, it, it, the, the, the top teams like Duke, for instance, Duke lost to Clemson and they lost to North Carolina State. They lost to Wake Forest all recently. Uh, those, are, those are games that Duke normally wins. But uh, the, the other thing I, that I wanted to bring up was the fact that the Big Ten is likely to lose its top players this year to the draft. We surely, surely Garza's going to go. You would think. Because uh, he's, he's a contender for player of the year, and he isn't going to get any better between now and next year. you got Oturo from Minnesota who's probably going to go. you got Jalen Smith at Maryland who – Probably will follow Fernando. Uh, Fernando went last year, uh, and then you got Isle. I think those four are likely to go pro, and they have eligibility remaining. Meanwhile, Simpson and Stevens and Winston and Cowan and Tillman are all seniors, so the league. You know, I hesitate to say this, but the league looks like it'll be down next year. Well, yeah, it does when you look at it that way. And I was looking at the uh, All Big Ten thing. They usually pick three teams. For all Big Ten, it's easy to do that. It's easy to come up with 15 players. Yeah, it's hard to get five. It's hard to get five, and you can make a case for, obviously, Garza, Smith, Stevens, Winston, and Cowan. That might be your first team. And actually, uh, if you went by top scorers in the league, you'd have to get Oturo in there somewhere. And Io would kind of lead the, the second group of guys, Io and uh, Carr from Minnesota. Uh, Wieskamp has to be considered as well, but... Uh, it's an interesting conversation, as it will be for Coach of the Year. That'll be uh, determined, and all these things will shake out here. Oh, before that you Coach know. of the Year thing's really hard. I could give you, you know, I look what uh, Iowa's done after losing so key players, and look what Wisconsin has done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you see what Wisconsin's done shooting wise? 
the last five games, they've won five in a row. They're averaging made threes 12. They're shooting 44% on threes the last five games. That's why they won. Yep. And Illinois is still the only team to beat them at the Kohl Center yep. this year. Yeah. Squeeze in another phone call here at 927. Allen is with us. Go ahead, Allen. Yeah, you guys are talking about uh, who's going to come back next year and all that. If Garza was to stay, I would think that Iowa and Rutgers be the lead candidates for the Big Ten uh, champion next year. I I don't know about that. I I'm not I'm not convinced about Rutgers yet. Somehow I'm just not. I just uh, I see now they've fallen and they're. Uh, last I looked, they're nine and nine. Is that the, what they are today, Steve? Yes. Mm-hmm. They were nine and nine, and and they they were one and nine uh, away from home. I saw that. I'm. I just don't know about Rutgers. Yeah, they're I mean, eighteen and eleven and nine and nine. So uh, I understand you're talking about this year, and they they're going to figure out how to win games. They should have won the game uh, the other night. Uh, they could have. Uh, they'll fi- they're going to figure out how to win on the road. We did this year. And it's probably going to be their turn next year. But uh, That's another guy that would be in the coach of the year conversation, Steve Peichel, although they have dropped here a little bit lately. But there are a lot of guys there. Go ahead, Alan. The only team I really see slipping significantly next year is uh, Penn State. They lose Stevens and Watkins. That's going to hurt them a lot. And you bet. I know they got pretty good guards, but they don't have anything to replace them, as far as I know. Well, we won't know anything until we see who turns pro. And and I just can't imagine that Garza would be any more valuable uh, at the NBA level next year than he is now. I mean, he's he's on a hot streak right now. I they'll you know, he'll it'll be tough for him to duplicate next year what he's done this year. That's true. But I mean, do you think he's really a good NBA talent? If no, I I'm, I'm not saying that. How he runs? Well, I, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I, I just think I don't know how good it, uh, centers are, have a hard time in the NBA, but he can shoot the three really well, and that's, that's I think the only that, thing he's got. Well, that's not the I only thing he's he, got. I don't think he's, I don't think he's quick enough to do it in the NBA. He's not fast enough, and he's not the greatest jumper in the world. I just think he's a great college player, but he's not going to go very far in the NBA, in my opinion. Well, that's. Why, if he's going to give it a shot, and certainly wants to give it a shot, his stock is not going to be any higher than it is right now. Then he'll get a chance. He'll get a chance to go prove that one way or the other. He's going to be a millionaire by next summer if he <laughs> if he wants to be. Well, if he doesn't make an NBA, he'll definitely play overseas somewhere. But, sure. Uh, well, he'll, I'm, he'll, I'm not sure he's an NBA player. Well, I okay. All right. Well, you might be right. I mean, I don't know where he is. In, did you notice where he was in that at mock draft? I did not. I I don't think he's very high. I think I don't think he's very. Oturo's very high. Jalen Smith is high, mm-hmm. uh, but I, that's because they can run, they can jump. Yeah, that's right. And they they that's take right. stock in that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Garza might not go in the first round, but uh, you know, uh, you can still make millions even if you in the second round if you can get a contract. True, but there's no guarantee. And contract. You probably should. All right, guys, that's all I got. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. 931 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll take a break. We'll talk some Indiana basketball with Jeff Rob Johns, Rab Johns, coming up here in uh, just a moment. Stay with us. Back with more after this. 
Visit them at PellaOfChampagne.com. Nine thirty-three on Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Illini Pella. With Lawrence Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. We're off and rolling with you until eleven o'clock this morning, talking Big Ten basketball, Illinois basketball, the Illini and the Indiana Hoosiers coming up tomorrow at State Farm Center, one o'clock. Stripe the uh, State Farm Center game for the fans. Remember that as you uh, put on your game day apparel and head over that way. We're going to learn more about the Indiana Hoosiers now. Jeff Rabjohns from Indianapolis with us from Peaks.com, 247 Sports, is on the line with us. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? We're doing well. You How's, how's it going covering those up-and-down Hoosiers so far? They're 8-9 and nine on the season as they come to town tomorrow. What can you tell us about the Hoosiers at this moment? Yeah, their team has had, had some good good moments and been bad moments. Um, Up-and-down is the way to, to, to kind of describe them. You know they've uh, they've had really good good games. You know knocking off teams like Florida State that's in the top ten, Michigan that's been in the rankings all year, um, and then they've had moments where they really struggled. You know they got swept by Purdue, um, lost at home to Arkansas. Um, so uh, and obviously they've had other games where they were right there. You know they uh, they missed the last second shot against against Maryland, which is leading the conference. Um, you know they were able to handle Ohio State pretty good at home. So. They've had games where things have uh, things have gone well for them. Uh, they've had games where things really haven't gone well for them. So it's been a season where it's almost kind of what you expect when you know you're, you're being led by younger players. You know their best players, freshman Trace Jackson Davis, uh, one of only four players in the country to lead his team in scoring, rebounding, block shots, field goal percentage, made free throws and free throws attempted. So he, he's really carried a, a lot of the load for them, and. Um, uh, you know he's 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 their best player right now. Uh, their uh, their backcourt's kind of struggled, and I think that's been one of the issues. When the backcourt's really struggled, you know it's been tough for them to uh, to play well, tough for them to win. Um, they really lean on the front court. They try to out rebound the opponent, get more free throws made than the other team attempts because um, they've got a bigger lineup, but just don't really have guards like uh, like they want just yet. Obviously, Rob Finnessy's only a sophomore, so you got a young team. They lean more on the front court than on the back court, and obviously Trace Jackson Davis is the headliner. Basketball fans uh, are almost always unhappy about something, but uh, how's it going now? What's the the fan base reaction to Archie Miller? Is he in any kind of uh, uh, hot seat situation? No, no, not at all. Um, you know, Indiana institutionally wants to build the program on you know going out and getting high school players. Uh, they're not big fans institutionally of rolling through a whole bunch of one and dones or a bunch of one year grad transfer type situations. So I think people understood when there was a coaching change, uh, Indiana not only did not make the NCAA tournament, it did not even win a single NIT game, and the three best players left. OG Ananobi and Thomas Bryant went to the NBA. Uh, James Blackman Jr. went overseas, done the leading score, and won a very good Italian league. So when you have that much talent leave from a team that really didn't do anything, um, you got to kind of start over from a roster construction standpoint. Um, and if you look at the, the way I use playing, most of the key players are, are uh, uh, Archie Miller recruits. And beyond that, you know, I just got a commitment from Christian Lander from Evansville, Indiana, uh, the number one ranked point guard of the 2021 class. So you look, you look at recruiting, and recruiting is obviously going really, really well. 
Jeff, this is Lauren. Tell me about Lander. Uh, is there a possibility he can move up and, and uh, graduate this year? By the way, it's always good to talk to you, Hall of Famer. I always <laughs> enjoy talking to you. Well, it's good to uh, talk to you, too. Yeah, to answer your question, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a possibility that Christian Lander could move into the 2020 class. Um, he has some things to do academically. We will take some summer school because I think everybody knows yeah, you can't just go to high school for three years and then go, oh, okay, you know what, I'm tired of high school, I'm going to college, well, let's go. You actually have to be a high school graduate, and then there's obviously requirements for that. So there are things academically he would have to do. That, that's step one. Uh, and step two is you know, he's going to play on the Nike YBL circuit this spring and kind of get a, get a feel for does he think he's ready um, to, to go directly to the high major level. So those are the two things that are going to happen. But the, the biggest thing is there is academic work that has to get done. So before, it's not like going to car dealership and going, you know what, do I want a Ford or a Chevy? Uh, what do I want? Um, and then you just make a decision. There, there's some work here. So, yeah, there's a path to him being in college next season, uh, but it's going to take some academic work, and, uh, and it's going to take some, uh, some looking around on his part to feel like, am I ready? Um, and I think probably right now, decision comes sometime during the summer. Before I get around to this team, what's your reaction to the – comments that Dockich, I think, uh, has had relative to, to Romeo Langford. Uh, that Indi- Basically, what I get from it is that Indiana's better without him. Is that is that an unfair statement? That's a very unfair statement. I try to stay out of, like, media squabbles. Uh, everybody <laughs> has a right to their own opinion. But it, it's incredibly unfair to say that Indiana's better without Romeo Langford. Um well, his, 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 is Dockage actually saying that, or is that what I'm, I'm taking from it? Oh, I think your interpretation is correct. You know, okay. he called him a shoe guy and made all kinds of, you know, derogatory comments. Yeah. And, and again, I, you know, Dan played at IU, Dan coached at IU, Dan has the right to say whatever he wants. But when it comes to Romeo Langford, you know, he's, he's incorrect. He, he's made statements that are, that are incorrect. Um, but, you know, he just, you know, he has a certain opinion. He's got a right to his opinion. How much of the uh, problems do you lay on Archie, and is it just a lack of talent? I mean, Archie coached awfully well before he got to Indiana. Right, right. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, they've got to get more. They've got to continue to improve the talent on the roster, and guys have to get older. It's really, really difficult to win in the Big Ten when uh, you're, you're leaning heavily on freshmen and sophomores, and Indiana's leaning heavily on freshmen and sophomores right now. You know, your starting point guard, Rob Fennessey, is just a sophomore. Your best front court player, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, is a freshman. Uh, your second best uh, front court player earlier in the year uh, was Joey Bronk, who's, who's new to the program, a grad transfer from Butler. Um, so I think the biggest thing is yeah, what they want to do is kind of the Virginia thing. Get old and stay old. Well, you, you can't get old quickly when you're bringing in high school freshmen. But I think people look around and they see the, the recruiting is what Indiana wants their recruiting to be. That is, they've done a really good job in-state. You know, he landed Romeo Langford and Trace Jackson Davis. It was the first time in 21 years that Indiana had landed back-to-back Indiana Mr. Basketball winners. Now you got I mean, more coming, huh? That. <laughs> and obviously, I think probably one of the guys who is the 2020 signee, either Trey Galloway, or from uh, Culver Academy, or Anthony Leo from Bloomington South. 
I think one of those two guys is going to be Mr. Basketball this year. Then if Christian Lander stayed in the 21 class, you know, he'd have a very strong chance, obviously, at Mr. Basketball for that year. Um, so the recruiting has been good and it's been, you know, the kind of recruiting that Indiana fans really like to see. Um, now, obviously, um, you know, I think IU needs to make tournament this year to keep people from grumbling because you go three years in a row without making a tournament, you know, people are going to kind of be a little upset, but I think most, most rational fans look at Archie's track record and look at the recruiting and say, you know, it, it, everything's on track. It's just a little slower when you go mainly with high school kids and you don't get a bunch of one and dones or grad transfers or those kind of things. Oh, you don't think uh, Lander would be a one and done? I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 it's going to be interesting because he's got, he's got good size. He's about six foot two. He's got really good speed and quickness. But the thing is, he does not have NBA blow by. Okay. And uh, that's a really big thing for, for guard, for point guards. You know, can they actually just, do they have a real burst? And I mean an NBA burst. That's not talking about college burst. He's got a he's, he's college quick already. But difference between there's a big difference between being college quick and being an NBA guy who has blow behind just just goes right to the rim. So I think more than likely Landers probably not a one and done. Visiting with Jeff uh, Rabjohns, who covers Indiana basketball. Hoosiers would appear to be on the bubble as far as the NCAA tournament goes. What do you think uh, about their chances to get in? Yeah, I think uh, I think they're in a situation where if they win their home games, they're in. I think if they've got uh, three games remaining. Uh, tomorrow they're at Illinois, and then two at home to finish the season uh, against Minnesota and against Wisconsin. I think uh, if you get to 20 wins this year in the Big Ten Conference, I think you're in. Um, so that that's kind of where I where I see that they sit right now. And then obviously there's the Big Ten tournament. I don't think they're in a position to where they can make a big run, um, but. If they were able to play like they did against maybe their home game against Maryland, for example, maybe the way they played when they beat Michigan State and Ohio State at home, um, they didn't have a chance to win a game in the Big Ten tournament. And then they'd probably move up a seed line. So they have everything in front of them. Uh, they've got to get – I think they have to get those two home wins. I think they're going to have uh, – I think they're going to have a hard time uh, tomorrow at Illinois. Just a combination of, of the guard play uh, that, that Illinois has been getting – um, and then Griffin, wow, what a what a game that was the other day. I think it was what eighteen points, career high. Well, he had uh, uh, more twenty four points, yeah, but he had uh, six had six threes for eighteen, yeah. Six threes. I'm sorry, that's yeah. what it was. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you, thank you, Lon. Um, You know, he's certainly contributing, and then Kofi Coburn inside is is an absolute love. So I think I think Indiana is going to have have trouble tomorrow uh, at Illinois. So I do think they are. Uh, I do think they're good enough to win their home games. I That's think a, if you get to twenty wins the Big Ten, I think you make the NCAA tournament. Well, tell me about Green because I saw him one game where he couldn't miss, and then I've seen him against Purdue and others that when he wasn't so good. <laughs> it wasn't so good. That's a general euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has been uh, the poster child for Jack one high type season. Uh, he, you know, he, he pretty much won the Florida uh, 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 State game for Indiana. Uh, he was a big reason uh, that they – he was the reason they built the big lead against Penn State when they beat Penn State at home. Uh, and, and that lead was the key reason they won the game. And there are other times, you know, he'll have uh, zero, two, three, four points. And he really goes up and down. And it's uh, – it's, 
it's something that you watch as games go on because how Indiana goes, in part, it depends upon which Devontae Green they get that day. And if he's really on, yeah, he can he can be a big factor. Um, if he's not, you know, if, he, if he's got, you know, one of those one for seven days or like the other day at Purdue, a three for 14, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a problem for Indiana. And I can't sit here and say I can diagnose exactly what's going on. You know, I mean, I think it's, it's got to be confidence, mental, those kind of things, because he has the ability to make shots. There's no question he has the ability. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, he's been a storyline for Indiana this season, no doubt about it. Jeff, we appreciate your time. Uh, that ball game tomorrow, Indiana and Illinois at the State Farm Center at uh, 1 o'clock Central Time. Uh, good to visit with you, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks. Always good to talk to you guys. Hey, hey Jeff, it. thanks a lot. Uh, always good to hear from you. You too, buddy. We'll see you tomorrow. 9.46 is the time. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break. Be back with more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show, everybody. 9.48, 23 degrees outside on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock today. Thanks to... uh, Jeff Rabjohns over in Indianapolis for uh, talking some basketball with us. The Illini and Tom Ackerman's alma mater, the Indiana Hoosiers, in town tomorrow. And Tom Ackerman is with us on the line. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, wow. Um, they better get some offense going. Well, not for you uh, Illini supporters. I guess you kind of hope that IU doesn't score. But that, that performance at Purdue left a lot to be desired in the area of offense. So as an IU alum, you know, we <laughs> – we know this team plays well at Assembly Hall. Uh, outside of that uh, historic building, they uh, really struggle. So I've been very impressed with Illinois this season. I saw them in person at the Bragg and Rights game. I think Missouri played one of its toughest games of the year, and Illinois just kind of, you know, stalled and, and couldn't get anything going, especially defensively how they handled Coburn. Uh, but what we've seen from Illinois is what I thought we would see. I think you have an excellent coach there. I really do. I think he's a good recruiter. I think he's a fiery uh, competitor, and his team plays like him. Yeah, they really do. I, I'm I'm very impressed, and I hope that Illinois goes deep in the tournament. I think it would be great for the Big Ten. I think it would be great for this region. And as you know, as an IU fan and alum, I've always been a supporter of Illinois. I I believe wholeheartedly that it is one of the great basketball towns one of the great basketball venues um in my heart of course i'll be pulling for the cream and crimson <laughs> tomorrow but uh i i'm uh, i'm a big fan of what's going on there before we talk uh, cardinals spring training baseball one more thing on indiana and being an indiana alum bob knight came back were you around for that and what were your thoughts of, of how that went um i uh, i cried i uh I really just let it all out emotionally. I watched it at home. I was not there. Um, the funny thing is, when I got up that morning, I knew that he was going to be there that day. I had heard uh, from some people close to him the night before that it was indeed happening. And my wife came downstairs. I was getting dressed. Uh, I was kind of like tying my shoes and putting a coat on. And I said, Coach Knight's coming back to Assembly Hall today. And she looked at me. She goes, you're not going, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Because she thought I was about to get in the car and go. She knows me. I might have. But we had an event uh, 
that I was emceeing that night. So there was no way I'd be able to get back in time. But the, the thought did cross my mind. Um, it, it's a personal connection for those who don't know. Uh, my dad passed away when I was young, um, right before I went to high school. Uh, before that, um, through a friend of his, I ended up meeting Coach Knight as a teenager. I was 16 years old, and I caddied for him in a golf tournament, as it turned out. And we really hit it off, and he ended up uh, organizing a tour of campus for me, conducted by the athletic department. And I ended up picking IU uh, to go to school, and I, I felt like I was being recruited by Coach Knight. And as it turns out, I was. He was interested in uh, having me – as a manager uh, for the team. And I, I informed him that I wanted to be a broadcaster. And he, of course, teased me about wanting to be in the media. But he was, uh, when my dad passed away, um, he found out about it. He was a, a really a great uh, figure to me, someone that provided me a lot of comfort uh, for those four years. Not that I ever called him, um, but knowing that he would be there for me if I needed him was a big deal. And you know, I saw a side of him that was uh, soft and loyal and kind. And uh, and so when I saw him on the floor at Assembly Hall that day, uh, you know, a lot of stuff kind of came out, I guess. And, and I thought that it was very special for the fans. And I know deep inside how special that was for him. He was not angry with Indiana University. He was hurt. Uh, he felt like at that time when all of that went down in 2000, that his IU family kind of left him and and he felt he felt hurt about that and I don't know that he ever got over it and now that he's living in Bloomington there are some signs that of course those fences have been mended he's actually been seen around campus quite a bit here recently so that's that's really good I think it's a, a good story and I think there was a lot of relief there. Let's spend a few minutes talking about uh, the Cardinals they've played seven spring training games Thus far, they've been down in Jupiter for a couple of weeks. Any storylines uh, coming to the uh, top uh, that have caught your attention? What are you focusing on? Well, number one is who's going to provide the offense for this team now that Marcelo Zuna has gone and now that Jose Martinez has gone because Martinez provided a big right-handed bat for them. So who is that person and who's going to play left field? And so far, we've seen a few people step up. Dylan Carlson, their number one prospect, is outstanding. It's going to take a lot for him, though, to be the starter out there. He's going to have to have a great spring, and others are going to have to not step up. It'll have to be obvious that he's the pick because they want him to play every day. He's not going to share duties with somebody. He's not coming off the bench. Dylan Carlson is is an excellent switch-hitting prospect. He can play all three outfield positions. He needs to play every day. He has looked good so far, but this is a long spring training, and they're going to go through slumps and things are going to happen, so we'll see. Uh, the other name would be Tyler O'Neill. Can he hold up and play every day, and can he stop swinging at, at bad pitches in the dirt? Uh, the other name is Lane Thomas, who's a very special, talented, really a five-tool type player who can play out there also. So th- there's some good chances there to, to be a left fielder along with Harrison Bader and Dexter Fowler unless for some reason Bader can't hit and you have to replace him in center field. Fowler will be in in the lineup. Fowler's going to play. He'll probably end up leading off. Uh, That's number one. Number two is who's the fifth man in the rotation. Miles Michaelis is not going to be ready for opening day. You see that happening already. He's been shut down from throwing because of his flexor tendon in his right arm. 
So who's the next guy? So far, Kwon Young Kim, the lefty, looks really good. The Korean lefty, from what I've seen, I have not been down there yet, but I'm going down in a week, and I'll I'll spend the final two weeks. So this story's really going to ramp up here. I'll get to see a lot of these competitors. They're throwing a lot of arms out there to see what they have, both starters and relievers. The other name that I think is very interesting is Daniel Ponce de Leon. He had a good outing yesterday against the Mets. He went three shutout innings, gave up two hits, didn't walk anyone, and struck out four. That's really good. Uh, so we'll see how, how things kind of work out there. I'm always interested in what you have to say about Reyes. Is, uh, so did he pitch an inning yesterday? Uh, Alex did pitch yesterday. Uh, he went an inning. He did give up a run. He ended up being the losing pitcher, actually. But, you know, at this point, you just want to see what uh, what he has. And it's all about health. Uh, we know his competitiveness. You know, he's a year more mature. And, you know, a lot of it is mentally being focused, but also getting a little luck in the health department. I think that's been the biggest thing for him. It just seems like there's always an injury. Uh, but that guy has <laughs> pretty ridiculous talent when he's on. I mean, he's got great movement on his pitches. He can still throw hard. The Cardinals have a lot of pitchers that can throw hard. Uh, the Cardinals are very rich in the talent department in terms of pitching. It's all about health and about who goes where. They still have not established a closer. I think that Reyes would be a good candidate for that, to be honest. Um, we'll see where the, all of that goes. And, and finally – I do think it all depends on Carlos Martinez and how good he is this spring as a starter. Carlos used to be the ace of this staff. If he can get back to being an upper echelon pitcher, I think this staff could be really, really good with Flaherty, Hudson, Wainwright, Carlos Martinez, and whoever you put at five. I'm going to take you back to Fowler and Carpenter. Is there anything that you've seen so far that would indicate to you that they can bounce back from what I would call mediocre seasons? Yeah, I thought Fowler last year was a little bit better, but it was still a mediocre season. Uh, he was able to get on base a little bit better, stay healthy, looked good in the outfield. And I thought mentally he was just in a better place, and they had good leadership from him. And, and without him, I'm not sure that they win the division. I mean, he did he did contribute and was pretty durable for them, but he needs to be better. Um, I'd like to see just the, the ability to get on base and make things happen. I mean, if he's going to lead off, that's what's going to have to happen. You're, you're going to need Dexter Fowler doing great things for you. And yesterday, he did lead off. He was the DH, and he was 0 for 3. So, you know, every game is a little test and, and to see what he has. The other name, Matt Carpenter, I again, I want to get down there to see the swing for myself. But from what I see on TV and what I hear him saying is that he worked very hard on it in the offseason, and he wants to show the fans and his teammates that he is going to be there for them. The first hit of the spring, he went the other way. That was right almost away. breaking news, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the first two, wasn't <laughs> it? it? Was, it <laughs> yeah, it was, I thought, very significant and uh, a big moment, even though it's just a spring training at bat. I, it was like a little sign, like, you know, I'm going to be fine. I mean, these guys, they shift him so hard, it seems like there's nobody out uh, on the left side of the entire field sometimes and he smashed one in the, in the left. So what happens this year with Matt Carpenter? He's got to continue to find a way to get on base, which he's good at, but I'd like to see more line drives rather than fly balls and hitting the ball out of the ballpark. We know that he has power when he gets a hold of one. 
But it, for Matt and for a lot of these players, it's all about getting on base and making things happen. Let the big boys, uh, the power hitters on this team, Goldschmidt, the young, Tyler O'Neill, and whoever else steps into that role, be the ones to drive you in. But Matt Carpenter, who played a lot uh, in the leadoff role for the Cardinals through the years, I think could be back there again. But I, I think also there's a chance for him to, to pretty much be anywhere in the lineup and be effective. Got a couple of minutes left with Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis. Let's go to the phones. North Carolina's biggest Cardinal fan. Marty is with us. Go ahead, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Well, when you're named after Marty Marion, you have no choice but to be a big Cardinal fan. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Lauren knows who Marty Marion was. Well, so do I. All but right. what's on your mind this morning? And I do, too. <laughs> Very good, Tom. Tom, big question. Last year, Dexter Fowler was a little better in the last month and a half, but he had, from what I heard this offseason, the worst batting average among everyday players against off-speed pitches. Hit fastballs well, but had absolutely the worst batting average against breaking pitches among everyday starters. Uh, I don't know what a guy his age is going to change that habit. Uh, that worries me a great deal. I'm not as worried about Carpenter because he spent the offseason working on taking the ball the other way and trying to become what he was in 2013 instead of what he was the last couple of years. So what do you see with Fowler that's going to make a change and make him worth being in the lineup on a regular basis? Well, I think it's a great point. Now, there are others on this team, too, that struggle against off-speed pitches. Bader's one, no O'Neal's one, <laughs> right? I mean, there's there's a whole bunch that, that struggle with yeah, that. Yeah, I hated, I hated to see him trade a Rosarina for that reason because he's a guy that could get on base and had speed. And I, I, I like guys yeah. that don't necessarily hit the ball out of the park but get on base and move around the bases and have tools, let's say. I'm with you on so, that. I think that that was, that was the – the fact that they knew they were crowded in the outfield. This is a lot about Dylan Carlson. They are not oh, going to trade Dylan Carlson, and they definitely think that he's an exciting talent. And so I think this is more about giving the nod to Carlson over Rosarena, oh, yeah. uh, giving the oh, nod yeah. to Nolan Gorman uh, as a potential lineup piece down the road. Um, and and they felt that Rosarena was expendable from that standpoint, even though I, I love his ability to get on base. I, I think just going back to Fowler, you know, he's not going to see time out there every game if he can't hit, um, especially against off speed. Now he's a switch hitter, so that increases his yep. value, so he can he can swing it against Little. lefties too. But he's um, if he's ineffective, they're going to find someone else to play. I uh, what what are the signs that he starts to do it? I mean, I think this is for for him. As a veteran who's seen just about everybody, it's about pitch recognition. You know, this is all about pitch recognition and trying to win that game against the pitcher. So these guys, are they do their homework. Pitching coaches do their homework. If they know that they can mix up his head a little bit going fastball changeup or fastball curveball, fastball slider, you know, that's, going to, to, that's going to keep him off balance. But if he continues to work at it and – continues to recognize pitches and i i would say that a, that a guy like fowler might be a little better in that adjustment uh than a younger player who's just seeing some of these pitches for the first time so that would be the area for me if you start to see i guess what i'm saying is if you start to see fowler draw more walks that's a sign that things are good if yeah. he's seeing the ball well that's the sign if he's not walking a lot if he's not getting on base 
that's a gotcha. real issue. If Carlson starts off well in AAA, assuming they don't start him there because they want to get that extra year of service, how many? If he plays well AAA, how long before he's up as an everyday player? I've got he's to think special. that if he's playing well in AAA, special. he really is. I've got to think that if he's in AAA and he's got it going, and the Cardinals don't have it going, if they if one of these outfielders or two of these outfielders doesn't grab hold of it. They've got to bring him up and start him, and there will be a lot of pressure, internal pressure too, to do so. I talked to John Mozeliak every week. I talked to him last week, and I said, "Look, you're, I said this on KMOX. Is you're going to have to calm me down about Dylan Carlson now. I mean, I think that he's a, a very special talent. I, you know, and and he jumped in and said, you know, so do we. I mean, we really do. But the big thing for them is that." They give everyone the opportunity this spring to show what they can do. I think it's very clear that Carlson is in this competition. This is a little thing, but his locker is right in there with the big leaguers. Um, so he's being mentored by these big leaguers. He's he's considered to be a competitor for this spot. There is no doubt that they have told him, in my mind, I don't know that they've said this specifically, but they've told him that he could – that, that that thing is there for him if he, if he ends up being the best performer in the end. And I believe that to be true. So if the, if the competition shakes out to where Dylan Carlson was the best that you saw, you got to start him on opening day. That's me talking the, the clock that you're talking about, the business of it is a different story, but you know, the Cardinals do recognize the window of opportunity that they're in. Adam Wainwright came back to this team, not to have a, you know, a, a tour of, goodbyes and thank you very much you know, he came back to win a world series so yadier molina is still sticking around in this thing because he thinks this team can win the world series too paul goldschmidt etc i mean they, they have some players here that that are not getting any younger carpenter fowler that are hungry to win and i think that the team recognizes their chance to do something special this year this is a division that is there for the taking I'm not saying the Cardinals are going to win it, but they definitely should be one of the favorites to win it. And I think they know that they can get back to the playoffs and do some damage. And around the trade deadline, if it uh, if it's there for you and you're willing to make a big move to put yourself into the World Series discussion, then you do that too. I think that everything is still open for this team, and I believe they recognize that. Hey, Marty, we appreciate the call. Tom Ackerman, we appreciate your time. We'd like to catch up with you again maybe in three or four weeks before uh, the season gets started as it gets ready to get started and check in with you once again, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be heading down to Florida uh, a week from tomorrow after the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament here in St. Louis. So you can, if you need a check-in from spring training, you just let me know. We'll do it. Thanks again, Tom. Appreciate it. All right, thank you. You bet. Tom Ackerman, KMOX. In St. Louis, we've run past the top of the hour. We'll have hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk coming up. Paul Klee will join us from Colorado right here on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody, on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. First hour is in the books. 
Talk some Cardinal baseball with Tom Ackerman from KMOX. Also talk some Indiana basketball with uh, Jeff Rabjohns from Indianapolis. Illinois basketball, Illinois and Indiana tomorrow at 1 o'clock at the State Farm Center in Champaign. Be there, be square. That game is sold out. Big game uh, for the fighting line. We're going to talk college basketball, some other topics as well, as we check in with our good friend out in Colorado. Paul Klee is with us. Good morning, Paul. Mr. Kelly, how are you, sir? Doing fine. Are you out fly fishing today, or is there too much uh, ice and snow on the on the lakes and rivers out there? Oh, got out yesterday. Did got you? Got out yesterday. Uh, didn't tell my office, so I don't know if they're listening today, but um, <laughs> no, I'm headed up. I'm actually headed up to do a little college basketball this afternoon. Uh, we're going up to Fort Collins to cover this Colorado State Air Force game. Uh, well, interstate rivalry, so looking forward to that. Getting down to a fun time of year with uh, turning the calendar to March mm-hmm. tomorrow, and uh, you know what that brings with the, the postseason and the last week of the regular season, the conference tournaments. Let's uh, get your take on several things, and we'll, we'll hold the zags for a moment, but I want I know that you pay attention to uh, the fighting Illini. What are your thoughts on oh, yeah. what uh, this team has done so far and what you think it might uh, still do before the season's over? Well, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that that Illinois is going to be involved with this March Madness. You know, I'm I'm thrilled most for the fans there. They've they've waited a long time to get back to this point. So I, I've probably caught all but maybe two or three Illinois games this year, and um, I really enjoy watching them. I, I like it especially when Ao is playing the way that he is, um, which is Big Ten Player of the Year caliber type performance lately and um i'm i'm just thrilled i like watching the big fella hope he sticks around for a while and i hope that i hope um i hope io sticks around for another year as well well uh i don't think that's going to happen <laughs> if he can help it but uh, paul good to hear from yeah. you uh io is uh, i just don't know if he the qualities that he has the burst he has the speed mm-hmm. How much is his uh, 30% three-point shooting going to hurt him when the draft comes around? You know, I've, I've asked quite a bit about him, uh, mainly for selfish reasons, because uh, friends back there want to know where he's projected. But I, I've asked a handful of teams about him, and he's a he's a second-round pick at this point, mm-hmm. probably mid to late second round. And um, I know how Chicago works, and I know that the plan was to play two years there and then move on, but I really think they need to reconsider that. I think they need to look at the landscape uh, for him where he can come back and be a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate, probably the leading candidate in my mind. Um, and I, I hope that they take a long look at that because uh, right now he'd have a tough time breaking into the league with that shot. They they are so reliant on perimeter players being able to make shots now. That's really what the entire league is based around is three-point shooting. And uh, I think that's going to hurt his stock because that's not something you change overnight. So I do. I'm crossing my fingers a little bit that they take a longer look and decide to bring him back for another year. I think it would do him a lot of good. Well, I think that's right. I think that uh, he's headed for the G League if he goes if he if he turns pro. I think I think they'll want it. They'll want to give him another year working on that shot in the G League. And that G League is not near as much fun as college. I don't think. No, no, and you know what, Lauren? It, it, another thing, too, is the league still values, I'm seeing it with the Denver Nuggets right now, a guy that can really lock you down, that can take you out of the equation for 25 minutes. And mm-hmm. he could do that. He could yeah. become that type of defender. I think that's where his 
his value lies as a professional is becoming a really locked down perimeter defender that a coach like Michael Malone can lean on because every roster needs a couple of those. There's so many big wings that can score on you these days. The Nuggets saw a couple of them last night with the Clippers that that's where he can play eight, nine, ten years in the league and make way too much money, and that's a good thing. So um, I, I that's really what I'm watching. You know, if he if he continues to play like this um, in the conference tournament, uh, in the NCAA tournament, that will probably expedite his exit from Illinois. And I just I'd love to see him with Coach Underwood and those guys for another year. I, I don't think that he's an NBA guy right now. I don't, and the, and the scouts feel the same way. So come back for another year, blow up everybody, be a Big Ten player of the year, and then you work your way into the first round in 2021. Okay, we'll get back to basketball in a moment, Stephen. I'll have you there. But I want, I want your comments on what's happened to Colorado with the football coaching change and Rick George being having his uh, back surgery at the very time this was all taking place and, and uh, your reaction to the whole affair with the, the guy leaving so late. <laughs> well, I was out of the country when that happened, Lauren. <laughs> okay. I thought about it until a couple of days later, but I have spent a few days in Boulder um, over the last week. And it, it, a, a coaching search in February is no fun. <laughs> That's what I've learned. Now, there were different reports here of how many different coaches were offered the job how many coaches interviewed for the job. You know, there's an Air Force guy here who's as good as I've ever been around in Troy Calhoun, uh, and he just re-upped with the Falcons. So I thought he'd be the best fit at Colorado. They settled with Carl Durrell, uh, the, the old UCLA coach. He comes from the NFL. He's with the Dolphins last. But Mel Tucker really blindsided these folks. It, it, it came yeah. out of nowhere. I, I wasn't surprised that he jumped. I was surprised at the timing of how and how he jumped. He had just been at a function, a fundraiser, a booster function that very day, yep. uh, talking to boosters about how he was in it for the long haul, about he's ready to win a championship at Colorado, and it was that night that he decided to go. So that tickled Rick a little bit. I know that. They were very close. Uh, they worked very close in all operations, and um, he was hurt by that one. So. I'm hoping Carl Durrell works out. You know, there's a lot of similarities between CU football and Illinois football. They've had a hard time sustaining it through the years. You know, you're talking about one winning season in the last 14. That's where CU football is right now. So they've got a big hill to climb. And I hate to be that the Debbie Downer type, but I just don't know that you can win consistently and sustain it at CU. Uh, in this Pac-12. The Pac-12 has taken a lot of hits, and, and CU hasn't been able to get over that hump. Let's go back to college basketball. Paul Clea, graduate, a proud graduate of Gonzaga, and the Zags are 28-2 and on the season, 14-1 and in their league. Is this one of uh, Mark Few's uh, better teams? <laughs> I, I don't think so, Steve. That's the, that's the wild part. This was supposed to be the bridge year. You know, this was the... Uh, you lose 80% of your scoring and, and four starters and Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark from what I thought was the best team in the country last year, team that beat Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and Duke. So I was looking at maybe a five, six seed this year, get to next year when you're bringing in this top five recruiting class, and then you got a chance to win it again. So I think this is his, this is his best job. This is the best job that he's done. And uh, it's a very, very young team, never expected a one seed. 
that's wild. What I like about them, Steve, is they really score. This is the best offensive team in the country. So we've been spoiled, man, 20 years of this. I just wait for the other shoe to drop every season. It never <laughs> seems to do that. As uh, March Madness uh, gets set to begin, who's your favorite uh, in the postseason? It looks like a wide-open race, but uh, you've got some teams there near the top of the rankings, Kansas and Baylor. Both those teams have played well. Uh, Dayton is certainly a surprise team. How that will hold up in postseason, we don't know yet. But is there a, a favorite in your mind? Or you, do you think it's, the whole thing's that wide open? You know, I think it is after the top tier. I, I, they still let me vote in the top 25, even though I'm in Colorado, and college basketball is kind of a fifth or sixth priority this time of year. But I, I still think the champ comes out of four teams. I, I do think there's four teams that are better than the others. Uh, I got a chance to see Kansas back in probably December uh, in Kansas City, and I got to hook up with Jarrett's girlfriend, Jarrett's Howard, and see those guys. I, I think that's the best team in the country. I think KU is. They're just they're so big. Their their size their size up front is such a problem. And you saw them what they did to Baylor last week. They can really lock it up. So I think it's Kansas. I think it's Gonzaga. I think it's Baylor. And the team that I like that that has thrown up some stinkers, but I still think they're going to be a factor is that Duke team. That Duke team has real NBA talent. And uh, if I've learned anything over the last five five years when Gonzaga kind of turned the corner, you need two or three guys that are going to play in the NBA for a long time to have a chance to win it. Uh, Virginia being an exception last year. So I think it's one of those four teams is going to, is going to finish at the top. I think it's Duke, Kansas, Gonzaga, or Baylor. Those four teams seem to be a cut above just about everybody else to me. Uh, what's going on with the Pac-12? I see UCLA's up number one. They've had now seven teams leading that league in the last several weeks uh, or maybe months. But uh, what – I mean, Sandy, how can San Diego State and Gonzaga be the best teams on the West Coast when you got – the Pac-12's got all these advantages? Yeah, it's really something to watch. I do like that San Diego State team quite a bit. Um, that UNLV loss last week aside, they're, they're very good and they're older. And those are two good things to have. Um, this West is unusual. You know, we had a couple years ago when, when Oregon was really good. UCLA had Lonzo Ball and those guys, they were really good. Uh, Gonzaga was in the Final Four that year. But this is something that we haven't seen before. You could have two mid-major programs as one seeds and both being on the West Coast, which is unheard of. It had to be probably back in the early 90s with UNLV the last time we saw something like this. So uh, the Pac-12, their issue – it's not been coaching continuity. They have a lot of the same guys. It's been talent acquisition. There's, there's not a lot of NBA guys over there right now. So you've seen Colorado, for example, the Buffs were in first a week ago. Uh, then they lost. They laid a stinker at home against UCLA. And then the other night they went to Cal and dropped one at, you know, bottom feeder Cal. So they're, they're out of the race for the moment. They're just trying to get a bye. But this Pac-12, I'm interested to see two leagues in particular when the tournament rolls around. One is the Big Ten, because I can't get enough of this Big Ten, man. I, every night is so good in that league. And I want to see how it works when you've got five or six teams that are five, six, seven seeds, how that plays out. I'd like to see the Big Ten play well in this NCAA tournament. The Pac-12 similar. They're going to have a bunch of teams clustered right in the middle of the bracket with those middle seeds. And 
there's not a, really a powerhouse coming out of there. UCLA leads it right now, but it's not a traditional UCLA team that you're going to see two or three NBA guys. It's an okay team. He's done a good job with that. But some of these Big Ten teams, some of these Pac-12 teams, they're capable of winning a couple of games, two games. They're also capable of getting knocked out in the first round. So I think those two leagues are what I'm going to focus on when the NCAA tournament comes around. Well, we've spun you all the way around, but I'm not going to let you get away without answering one key question. Will (laughs) Nolan Arenado finish the season for the Rockies? No. Okay. Who's going to get him? Strong no. (laughs) Yeah. You know, who who would be the Cardinals' best player? Is that Goldschmidt? Well, yeah. 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 Right, Paul Goldschmidt. So. Imagine a scenario in which Paul Goldschmidt is not speaking with the general manager. <laughs> that's what we've got here in Denver. Yeah, well, that's right. Uh, they're but, not, they're but, not on speaking. But who's terms. got thirty million that they want to just you know give up per year? Right. Yeah, he he's he's looking. He's he's got wise eyes wide open right now. He's he's scouring the landscape of where is going to be his best fit. That relationship. I don't know if it can be if it can be cured. It was a uh, it was a mess, and it was two egos going at it. And when one is the best third baseman in the world, one is the general manager. I don't see how they're going to be able to iron that out. It may be at the trade deadline, maybe before that. But uh, a lot's going to depend on how the Rockies start. You know, they're the only major league team that did not add a major league player this off season. Did not sign a major league free agent. And this came, comes a year after they really committed to Nolan Arenado and said, we're going to build around you. So that didn't stick well with him. If I had five bucks out of Steve's wallet, I would say <laughs> Nolan finishes, uh, finishes the season in somebody else's uh, ballpark. Well, I'll give you 10 bucks if you could guarantee it be the Cardinals. <laughs> We'd contribute that mystery's $30 million salary, right? What's it going to take? Yeah, they, they a couple hundred million? Us. I mean, a six-year deal? So. What, what's it going to take? I think so. Uh, you know, his. a lot of the guys talk a lot about how winning is the priority when we know it's the $35 million that's the priority because it should be the priority. But Nolan's wired different. He's, he's got a little bit of Kobe to him, and um, he is as driven of an athlete as I've ever been around, and he's really driven to win. So if it was St. Louis, a place like that where, you know, winning is part of the culture, I think that that's a place that he would certainly want to be involved with. But he's a West Coast guy. He's a Southern California guy. So i got to think the Angels and the Dodgers are going to be involved at some point. Another couple of minutes with Paul Klee. Let's go back to college and the Big Ten introducing a, a resolution, so to speak, about the transfer situation. It seems to be picking up some steam that, uh, that football and basketball players and everybody playing a sport in college and some of them can already do this, but you could transfer one time with no uh, penalty to sit out. Your thoughts on that? Do you think it's going to happen quickly? Yeah, I'm probably in the minority among media members that, that seem to push this idea and like it. Um, I, I come from that SIU background, you know, that old Gonzaga, not the new Gonzaga background, where I think this is something that's really going to hurt the Bradleys of the world the SIUs of the world. Right. You really will. You're going you're to have guys, you know, these coaching staffs that identify, a, you know, back in, what, 2005, a Brian Mullins out of Chicago. Well, after his second year, Brian could look around and say, I'm, I'm better than the point guard at Illinois, and I'm leaving. So this coaching staff has 
spent five years on a player through recruiting and development and through classes and through travel and all these resources, you lose them and you're not trading them. You're not getting something back. So I think that's where it's going to hurt mid-major programs. And I think we always got to stick up for those because they're dealing with a tough deck. So I don't like the idea. I do think it's going to happen and people will have to adjust to it. You know, maybe you identify a different type of player who you know isn't going to be quite that good that might leave after a year. But it's those programs this thing's going to hurt. So I always like to steer away from the, those kinds of situations where you're just making the, you know, you're you're emboldening the haves and you're hurting the have-nots. So I hope that goes by the wayside, but I don't think it's going to. I think we're going to see a free agency period in college sports real soon. But you know what's going to happen? The coaches are just take Underwood now. He's got a. They study the uh, junior colleges. They've got a, their staff. They study the recruits. Now they'll study the other teams. This is what you have to do because everybody's going to be involved in that great player from Dayton or that great player from Bradley who comes along. And you're right about that. I mean, it's it's going to be a. It's really going to hurt those teams in the long run. I I think that. Uh, You've hit a good spot there, but I think it's going to happen because the Big Ten and the ACC are for it, and I'm, I'm, I think that the other conferences are going to follow in. I'm not positive about the SEC, but uh, I think they're going to have a majority. I think so, too. And, um, you know, there's different ways to, to, build, to build a program up, and I think transfers, if you're not a Duke or you're not a Kentucky, are absolutely the way to go. That That's – but do it where you have to sit out a year, the traditional methods. You know, I've seen it in Spokane. That's how they built this thing. It's international players and transfers, those two areas. Top 100 kids, probably distant third. So I'm in favor of building your program that way. But, boy, if you don't have to sit out a year, they're just going to bludgeon these valley schools yeah. and these mountain west schools where you've got borderline – you know, high major guys, they're going to turn them into high major guys. So uh, it's a very interesting development, and I think we're going to see the landscape change severely over the next couple of years because of that. Paul, we'll let you go in a minute. We do have a caller on the line with a question for you. Go ahead, Chris. You're on the air with Paul Clee. Hi, guys. Yeah, Paul, uh, we're all, all three of you, who would you be your Big Ten coach of the year right now at this Ooh. season into today? Ooh. That's Thank a you. tough one. Ooh. That's a good one there. Well, it's not Chris Holtman. <laughs> it's not Archie. I would. Uh, it's not Archie. Um, yeah, you guys. They. Oh, I need to smack those guys tomorrow. I, I want to see a twenty-point game with <laughs> all tomorrow. That would be lovely. Uh, my my coach of the year. I watched Wisconsin the other night. He's got to be in the mix. Yes, he does. Uh, the way he's held. The way he's held that thing together. He is very impressive. And they were awfully good in Ann Arbor the other night. Fran would be in my short list up at Iowa, uh, losing their two guard like they did and having that beast in the middle. He'd probably be there. I would go with Greg Gard right now, though. I would say the Wisconsin coach would be the coach of the year for me. I think Brad Underwood's in the conversation. I think uh, Pat Chambers is in the conversation. And you kind of forget about it because they expect it to be good. But uh, Mark Turgeon at Maryland has uh, the likely Big Ten regular season champ. So there's a lot to you could debate there. Chambers is a good choice. Chambers slipped my mind. He would be a really good choice. Um, I remember back when he was hired, there were questions about whether he was the right guy, and it looked like it might be a short stay. Um, 
so happy for those guys. Uh, they've worked for it, and they've waited a while. I think this is his 10th year in Penn State, isn't it? Yeah, about that. You're right. Hey, Paul, always good to catch up with you. We'll let you uh, get on your way there to uh, Fort Collins. or Is that where you said you were going, Colorado State? Yep, heading up to Fort Collins this afternoon. Well, have a good time there, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Thank, thank you, you Paul. Always. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. You bet. That's Paul Klee. He writes now for the Gazette in Colorado Springs, 1030 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We'll keep the phone lines open, 356-9397. Some more Illinois basketball talk when uh, Kedrick Prince joins us after this timeout. Back after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Bella Saturday Sports Talk on the air with you until 11 o'clock. Phone line is open at 356-9397. Thanks to Paul Klee for spending some time with us. Going to talk some more Big Ten basketball, Illinois basketball, the Illini and Indiana coming up tomorrow at State Farm Center at uh, 1 o'clock. And a sold-out crowd. Should be a fun atmosphere. Kedrick Prince joins us from Orange and Blue News. He covers Illinois basketball and some football as well. Kedrick, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing well. Nice performance uh, by the Illini on the road at Northwestern in one of those games they had to have and kind of a uh, big night. I was going to say coming out party, but he's kind of been out before, but certainly a career high in that ball game for Alan Griffin. He was impressive in that contest. Yes, you know, he was. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I thought that was kind of a trap game for the University of Illinois. They have struggled at Northwestern, at Northwestern the last couple of years, and it was nice because they came out and they were the aggressor. The last couple of games, what Illinois has done, they just come out, they're flat. It seemed like they played to the level of competition. But the other night, they just came out and they looked like, you know what, we're, we're the better team. We're going to put you away and put you away early. So that was probably the most encouraging thing for me, other than the fact of seeing Allen shoot the ball that way because that's their Achilles heel. If they can shoot it, they have a legitimate chance of going well in the tournament. They just have to shoot the basketball well. What do you expect to see tomorrow at State Farm Center? I think it's going to be close, but I'll tell you what's going to be fun is watching the two big men go head-to-head because of the Freshman of the Year award. Even though I think Kofi kind of has it, I don't want to say locked up, it's a little bit easier for him. But I think Indiana is a dangerous team because they're fighting for their lives. They need another quad one win against Illinois. They cannot come out and not shoot the ball well tomorrow, but they could get beat. I mean, their next three games, you know, they should win at home. You know, they should, you know, Iowa will be tough. But Indiana's not going to roll over and play dead because they need this win really, really bad. So I expect a good game. I don't expect a blowout at all. Let's uh, go to the phones. The phone lines are open. Kedrick Prince is our guest. Rick in Charleston, you're on with us. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. Hey, great show. Uh, can you update us on two or three things? The I think it's the Whitley kid there that uh, was at Kentucky that we thought we might get at one time, and they came in and now he's either transferring or going to the NBA. Uh, Bernard Cumo, uh, I think he's playing somewhere in lower level for a year. And what do you think about what we need for next year in terms of bulking up the center position a little bit as far as somebody behind uh, what we've got now there? I'll hang up and let you talk about it. All right, Rick, appreciate the call. Uh, go ahead, Kedrick, any thoughts on those uh, three items? Well, I know at one point, uh, I'll be honest with you, I know Whitney, when he left, 
Kentucky. He did reach out to them. Once he got to the portal, he did reach out to the University of Illinois. Um, there was some contact there. Uh, I know he was really, really interested. And then I think he was getting some different feedback, whether he should go to the NBA or if he should go to college. Wherever he goes to college, you know, kind of like a lot of these kids who are high-profile athletes, they want to be the man. I don't know if that's going to happen at all, given the fact of what's coming back and what could come back. So I know there's definitely been some contact there. And at one point in time, you know, when you know when this rumor was hot, you know, people were saying Illinois was a lock. But I think, you know, looking at the big picture, he probably thought, you know, hey, I got to be careful because he's put himself in that situation before. Uh, but our crew is still, you know, I guess a guy on the roster. But I think Illinois at this point, they're really, really trying to look out for the future, you know, for because. Kofi's only going to be there probably one more year, and they can't afford to continue to take, I don't want to say projects, but that's what that would be. It would be a project because right now they're loaded at the wing and guard position, and you need to have that dominant force in the middle again. So if he came back and he played and participated, it would probably be great. But at the same time, I know they're going to be looking for some guy who's dominant enough to make sure that they're a difference maker because recruiting is going well for them and they can't take a step backwards right now at all. Well, the other thing that's happening now is, is you've got to start clearing space in case this rule goes through in April that would allow anybody in the country to transfer, just to get up and, and leave, and you've got to have availability there. I don't know where Hamlin fits into the whole picture, and I don't know right now. I mean, what do you say about Georgie? Is, can, can you count on him to be the backup next year based on the way he's played this year? You know, I, he's just really struggling. And to know how good of a player he is, it's sad. It's kind of sad to watch him play. But at some point, like Brad Underwood said, I think he'll find it. I really truly think he'll find it. And I think he's loyal to, you know, to the university. I did think that when he was a freshman, he would leave as a junior and probably go back overseas to play financially just to help his parents out to begin with. Having the year he's having right now, I don't know if that's even possible. Um, because he struggles so bad. Um, but Brad likes him, and he is really, really good for the program. I just think he's just in a slump. I mean, he's throwing shots up there right now that don't have a chance in the, in the world and going in, but it's a confidence thing. Same thing with Trent. I mean, at some point, you know, the, you know, the light, you know, it'll click on for him, and they'll start making shots, but that, this needs to happen soon. And I think, truthfully, my opinion, guys, I think Georgie struggles is way more than Trent's at this point. Georgie's just not himself. I like the fact that they put him back at the five. You know, they took the four away from him. He just can't catch a break. But needing him and I don't him starting next year, it depends on what they do too. Because the four position, I think they're going to be pretty good. You know, you got Coleman. You know, you got Benjamin coming off the bench. So you know, then occasionally, you know, you have you know uh, Demonte Williams playing. So they're going to be better. They'll be better at the stretch four position next year, without a doubt. And you got the two guys that are sitting out this year that might see some time there too. Well, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> the coaches don't like for people to talk about them, but I'm going to tell you, one of those guys, from my understanding, and I don't know what the future holds, but one of those guys, and I know which one it is, but I'm not you know, privy to say, I was told it's probably going to start. One of those kids can shoot it and shoot it well and can defend, and the coaching staff knows it. They're really, really excited about those two kids sitting out because people forget about them. You know, that's a good call, Steve. I think about it all the time because I see pictures of them. People forget about them because they talk about the recruits coming in. But those two kids learning the position and one of them being able to shoot as good as Alan Griffin, that's going to be a nice surprise because people forget about them. I, good call. 
Let's go back to the phones real quick. Bill in St. Joe has been hanging on. Go ahead, Bill. Hey, uh, guys. Basically, you're covering a lot of stuff. I want to know about Tevian Jones. He looks so athletic. Like he could, when he gets on the court, it's just like playing time. And, I was, you know, we need him if he's, if he's able to contribute. I just want to know the answers to that. And, uh, well, I don't think I anybody know, knows uh, the answer, the, but the likelihood of his returning has got to be way below 50%. Correct. What do you think? Easily. Yeah. Well, I agree. Yeah, because he's not playing right now. And Okay, look at the Northwestern game the other day. He doesn't make the rotation. He doesn't, I mean, he's not figuring the rotation at home, even against Nebraska. And, Lauren, when you yeah. mentioned the transfer portal that goes through, he's probably going to be a candidate. And it's sad because he has so much promise, but he's been given a chance, and defensively, you know, they don't trust him there. I mean, I'm a fan of his. I like the kid, but I just don't think it's a good fit for him, and I think he knows the writing's on the wall. I watch his demeanor on the bench, and he's still a good teammate, and it's sad that it didn't pan out. But him being here, like you said, is way less than 50% because he doesn't play. If he's good enough to play somewhere, it's just not a good fit for him at Illinois. At least I don't think at this point. And it's obvious because the coaches, they don't play him very much. Let's take another call for uh, Kedrick. Chris calling in from Mattoon. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Ken. I appreciate following you on Twitter. You're a good follow. Uh, Thank you, my, sir. My question is, my question is, is specifically, Orlando Antigua seems to be one of the top-notch recruiters in the country. He's probably responsible for Curbelo and Kofi. you see Illinois trying to lock him up long-term, uh, or is that possible, or do you think he might be looking uh, for a head coaching job at some point? Thanks. Oh, I, I think if he could get a head coaching job, you're always going to go to the head coaching job, but uh, I'm, I, Illinois is going to try to lock him up, yes, no doubt. Don't you think, Kedrick? Yeah, there'd be a no brainer. Yeah, because here's why. I'm going to tell you. You guys remember this guy named Richard King? Uh, I talked to, talk to him every day this week. We have talked every day. And the one guy he continues to talk about is Orlando. Because Richard has a son that, you know, who's a pretty good basketball player, and he's got some looks and gone on some business. And the first thing he talked to me about was Orlando. I don't think – I've been a long, long time, probably since Jimmy Collins, Illinois has an assistant coach do as well as what Orlando's doing. That guy is connected. People respect him around the state. People respect him nationally. I was told the other day, like, you know, there were some bridges burned up in the Chicago area. Orlando bridged those gaps. He's a guy, if he doesn't get the head coaching job, I have to be honest, they need to keep him. He has done very, very well. For you look at Alan Griffin, Kofi, he's responsible for Cabello. He's responsible for all those guys. You mentioned uh, Richard Keene's son, R.J. Uh, I saw some video that uh, I think you had put on uh, Twitter uh, this past week uh, of him. Uh, he's playing down in the Houston area. What kind of player is he, and it, is he an Illinois fan by any chance? Oh, I, I, it was really weird, you guys. I mean, I'm watching the game at Northwestern the other night. I picked my phone up, and R.J. texted me. And he's like, okay, they're making shots this time. He wants to be there. Bill Illinois offered him a scholarship yesterday. He would have took it four days ago if that makes any sense. He wants to be at Illinois in the worst way. And the coaches know that. I think the plan is to watch him at the EYBL this summer. They want to see because the thing with him, not only can he shoot it, at this level you have to be able to get shots off quick, and he can do that. But I think some of the competition is, is, what, is what's in question. I know Purdue really, really wants him as, as well, and I'm, I heard Paul was after him. So I think, but Richard and R.J. both, if they had it their way, they want to be at Illinois. They watch every game. 
you know, because he, his comment to me was, my dad built a good reputation there. I want to follow him, and I want to be a legend just like my dad. So that should tell you how much he wants to be an head of Illinois. The guys in the 6-6 range are going to get pretty crowded at Illinois next year, <laughs> and particularly. And, and, and we just talked to uh, Paul Clay, who mentioned that maybe Io shouldn't turn pro this year because he'd be a cinch first-round draft pick next year if he works on that shot, whereas right now he's a second-round pick, and that could mean G League. What do you think? It would mean G League, but I think I think what's different now than what I'm used to, second-round guys make a lot of money now. Yeah. What, uh, this, here's my thought, and I've told people this. If Ayo Nusumu comes back, Illinois is a top-10 team in the country. If Luca Garza comes back, Iowa's is probably number one in the country because people forget – Bohannon's coming back. Uh, Fran has a kid sitting on the bench that's a top 30 recruit. So this whole Illinois-Iowa rivalry, if, if, if Iowa decides to come back, you're going to have two of the best teams in college basketball, not just the Big Ten. Because, And I think there's room for Iowa to be there, to be honest with you. Say he did come back. He keeps the position. Andre Cambello, he eats up Andre Felice's minutes. So there's nothing lost there. Then you add another weapon on the wing with Adam Miller, and you got two guys sitting on the bench. Illinois, Iowa comes back, Illinois will be extremely dangerous. Well, I'd like to see him come back. I really would, just because it's good for the game, but I think he's gone. Yeah, I was going to ask where you, what kind of odds you would you put on that of him coming back or be gone, and you kind of answered that there. But you don't think there's much of a chance that he would come back? Well, there's always a chance, but like, look at his play the last few games. Okay, he was always, he's been pretty solid all year. But since that Penn State game, he is playing like a man possessed. He's playing like nobody in the country can guard him. And he is slowly going up the draft you know, boards. Yes, he is. And I don't know why he's so far down to begin with, because he's not a great shooter, but he's improved. Remember when he came in as a freshman? I remember doing a radio interview with you guys. We were like, hey, his shot's not that good. But guess what? He worked on it. And his mid-range game is as good as Dan Williams is to me at this point. He is dangerous at that spot, and he's long. So, to me, somebody's missing the boat. If he continues to play the way he's playing, and he got Illinois in the tournament, they're, they're winning now. So, coaches look at that. And I'm, some people are saying, oh, he's not going to get drafted. I know those NBA scouts are in that gym. I know they're watching his practices. Hey, Kendrick, appreciate your time. Keep up the good work. We'll see you over here tomorrow. And uh, thanks for spending a few minutes with us talking uh, college basketball. Thanks. I'll see you guys tomorrow. You Thank bet. you for having me. Uh-huh. Kedrick Prince from Orange and Blue News, Illinois.Rivals.com. You can keep up with what he and Brad Sturdy and Doug Bouchon and all the guys are doing there. It is uh, 1047. I'm going to talk to you a minute about the uh, Pella Lifestyle Series line of windows and doors designed to last for years, finished with their exclusive EnduraGuard wood protection and EnduraClad aluminum-clad exterior. Pella Lifestyle Series incorporates everything that you love about wood, the beauty, durability, and style, and gives you flexibility with those projects. The uh, Lifestyle Series, you can customize a beautiful project that's right for your home. Plus, the Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors are backed by one of the best limited lifetime warranties in the industry for wood windows and patio doors. That's the Pella Lifestyle Series. Check them out at Illini Pella Windows and Doors, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. You can give them a call at 356 356- 6474. They're open 8 to 5 Monday through Friday, Saturday by appointment. Also check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. We'll take a break and be back with more. The phone line is still open here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk.
Moving up on 10.52, a few minutes left here on this edition of Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk. A couple callers hanging on. Let's go to Rick in Champaign here. Rick, what's on your mind? Well, hi there. I'm enjoying your show. Uh, this is the first time I've learned about uh, Richard Keene's son, and uh, I think it just would be so cool if we could get him here. Uh, the thing I uh, remember about Richard Keene, which I thought was really cool, was uh, on a three-man fast break, and he'd be in the middle, and uh, uh, he would uh, look left and pass right, or look right and pass left, do, do these incredible no-look passes on fast breaks. I always thought that was really cool about him. Yeah, Lord and I taught him those moves back in, back in the I day. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks a lot, gentlemen. i uh, sure um, enjoying your show as always. Thanks, Rick. We appreciate the call. Let's go to uh, Tom calling in from Bloomington, Illinois, or Indiana. Bloomington, Illinois. That a boy. Go ahead. Uh, I've enjoyed the discussion when Paul Clee was talking about the Valley players who was going to ruin Illinois State or Southern. Well, I haven't heard the name Barrett Benson mentioned, and you remember him when he was at Northwestern, and he opted to go a little bit lower to Southern Illinois, and he's having a tremendous year. And that's where I see, like, Georgie said, well, maybe I'm not quite good enough to be in the Big Ten, but if I set my sights a little bit lower, I could be a 30-minute player, 40-minute player game. So I think it's going to be hard for Illinois and some of these to build a good second team because if I'm Illinois State, I'm looking down that roster to Tevian Jones, the Hamlin. Hey, you guys come to me. You can start and play 30, 40 minutes a game. So I think it could work to their advantage. Well, I think it's going to be a mad scramble for players trying to find the level that they can play at and play get minutes. That's all that matters, just getting minutes. And I, I agree with you that uh, the players that are mediocre at, on the Illinois squad that are on the bench, and, and if you've got 13 scholarships, 12 scholarships, you're – if you're going to have about four guys that aren't are going to be unhappy all the time, and they're probably going to leave. But you're also going to get the best player from the from the small colleges. That's what's going to happen. The best players, if they don't have to sit out, and they can come right in and play, and you've got a spot for them, you can say this is your position. You can come in and play. That's what's going to happen. But I don't know if they can come in and play and start the minute. I think they're setting their sights too high. Like Iowa's got a kid that transferred from Valpo. Thought he was going to get a lot of playing time. I think his name's Evelyn or something like that. But he's not playing that much for Iowa. Well, you can you can pick out examples like that. But I'm just saying, in the overall, the the idea will be everybody will be looking for his right location to get minutes, whether it's moving up or moving down. They're all going to move. There'll be a lot of them move. There's 700 moving right now on annual. The last three years, it's averaged out at 700, and the next year it will be. 1500 or 2000 Like I said, the hardest thing is going to be to build depth because there's yep. only five that can play, and everybody, like you said, is going to look for playing time. Not the level, but playing time. Yep. yep. Hey, Tom, good stuff. Appreciate it. Let's squeeze in uh, one more call with uh, Brian, who is calling from Mattoon. Go ahead, Brian. Hi, guys. Uh, quick question. Uh, I, Io's, Io's point in his career as a, as a sophomore where would you rate him compared to Frankie, D, Darren, Derek Harper? Those are the great ones that I think of in my lifetime. Um, at this stage of the game, I, to me, he's, he's probably got more game-winning shots or buzzer beaters than all those guys. Well, Frank was, Frank was Big Ten Player of the Year, 
So right, that, but he he redshirted his freshman year, right? His mm, very first year. Yes. I'm talking about I'm talking about his youth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you mean at the same point, the same age? At this point of their career, yeah. Yeah. Well, at, at Illinois. Well, nobody's had more game-winning shots in, in a season than he's had. That's what I. Think. I mean, there aren't that many. <laughs> you know, in in the course of a season, a player might only get one or two game-winning shots. Right. And and some games you're going to win without a game-winning shot. Some games you're going to lose. I mean, it's, it's, there's there's just not that many that go right down when you win the game with the last shot. But I don't. Uh, I know Harper did it in his final game against Minnesota. And, and when when it well, he, he whether you compare him or not is one thing. But he's certainly in that discussion. He's, he's yes, he is. Right, and yeah. he he is listed as a lotto pick right now uh, at a couple projections. I no, no, no. Where where are you getting that? Google it. Google it and come back on Monday. Well, I've googled and it already. I mean, I that. I know. I mean, the athletic just I, came I don't know, out. Nico Mannion. Nico Mannion was twelve and he was ten. Huh? At the, at the at a projection that I googled yet last night. We'll uh, we'll check I that out, Brian. Right now, what it is, but I'm driving. So. That's fine. Well, we're, I can't tell you what it is. Yeah, thanks, Brian. We're about out of time, but we appreciate uh, I, that. I know. We'll check right. that out, and we'll take one final break. Be back with some final words here after this. It is 10:59. That's going to put a wrap on this leap year edition of Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. Illinois and Indiana tomorrow, 1 o'clock at the State Farm Center. If your tickets are in an odd-numbered uh, a, uh, odd section, you should wear orange. If you're in an even section, wear blue. Orange Crush guys and gals will wear orange. Illinois, Indiana tomorrow. Thanks to our guests today, Jeff Rabjohns from Indiana, Tom Ackerman from KMOX in St. Louis, Paul Clee from Colorado, and Kedrick Prince. We'll see you tomorrow at State Farm Center, Mr. Tate. All right. Thanks to all the folks that called in today. We appreciate that on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Special thanks to Blake Landa for helping us uh, deal with the callers and deal with uh, the whole show here. This is Steve Kelly for Lauren Tate. We'll talk to you again soon right here on News Talk 1400 DWS. Have a good weekend.